Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. Listen, you hear that? That's the sound of nothing. And nothing is what you'll pay for medium fries when you buy any Mickey D's new crispy chicken sandwich. It's crispy, juicy, tender, all-white meat chicken with crinkle-cut pickles on a buttery potato bun. Mmm. Buy one, and we'll hook you up with a free medium fries. That's like zero zilch zip. So try any Mickey D's new crispy chicken sandwich and get a medium fries for nothing. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a special edition of the Sox Machine Podcast. It is October 13th, 2020, and I'm your host, Josh Nelson. And this episode was unplanned. Our next scheduled episode was set for October 19th to help launch the Sox Machine off-season plan project, always very popular and a fun time on the site as everyone gets an opportunity to play as the White Sox general manager and preview the upcoming World Series. Instead, White Sox general manager Rick Hahn threw everyone off uh, who covers and talks about the White Sox as there was a big surprise on October 12th. Rick Renteria is out as the Chicago White Sox manager and so is pitching coach Don Cooper. So as the Chicago White Sox enter their competitive window, they'll be doing it with at least a new manager. As far as the other coaches, to be determined based on what the new manager wants. So why did Renteria and Cooper get fired? And who are the candidates to possibly replace Renteria? Well, joining me now is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com and the co-host of the show, it's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. I wasn't expecting this news to come yesterday or this offseason. Maybe next year if the White Sox didn't meet expectations. But a day later after the decision from Rick Hahn, I'm still pretty surprised that the White Sox went in this direction. What was your initial reaction to the news of Renteria being fired? Uh, It it was shock. It was uh, uh, the White Sox have never shown a particular desire or aptitude to shake up things the managerial or coaching staff level when things were going very very poorly it basically took crises the last two times one with Ozzie Guillen basically daring the Sox to fire him set up a job in Miami and then you Robin Ventura having two nationally captivating clubhouse collapses uh, that uh you know were just a, a a stain on the franchise before they let him go and even then they let him go at the end of his contract so to fire Renteria with a year left on his contract when he had just helped the White Sox end a postseason drought and a losing season uh, streak uh, even you know if there are asterisks or whatever uh, with the 60 game schedule I mean it, it can't do anything but surprise I think so let's start with the the why first why do you think Han decided now was the time to move on from Renteria well I think ultimately that will uh, be determined in the end by uh, you know whether they hire AJ Hinch or Alex Cora, just because they are 
the hottest, albeit tainted, commodities on the managerial market, and one of them may go to a direct competitor because the Detroit Tigers have a managerial vacancy. So it strikes me as like the kind of thing where when the Cubs fired Rick Renteria to hire Joe Madden because they saw an opportunity to do so, it seems like that's the unique opportunity at this time. If they hire somebody else, you know, like, you know, and I guess we'll, we'll talk about it, like, you know, somebody else's bench coach or third base coach, you know, an unproven manager, that'll be more confusing. And I think that'll, if they hire somebody who doesn't have the kind of managerial experience that they, that Rick Hahn said they wanted, you know, uh, during the media conference after firing, I think it will come down to how the White Sox and how Renteria conducted himself the last three weeks, you know, and it wasn't just game three. It was uh, the getting swept by the Indians. It was losing two or three to the Cubs. It was using Carlos Rodon at really weird times. It was using uh, you know, Jimmy Cordero basically every game. It was getting ejected three times out of five games. All that stuff, I think, uh, basically post uh, clinching a postseason spot is what reflected poorly on Renteria. And I think you know he deserves a chance to learn the way. You know, most of us deserve a chance to learn if you do a lot of thing, other things well. And I think you know, I, I, I empathize with him as somebody who hasn't gotten jobs before because I wasn't given a chance to prove that I could do something and they're looking very, very, a very specific candidate. Um, but uh, if they hire somebody who, you know, doesn't really have the postseason championship bona fides that uh, Renteria also lacks, I think it'll come down to his performance in the last three weeks and being scared or... Or reflecting something that uh, Han was loath to uh, indicate during the conference. See, I, I'm a bit confused on that, even just from that standpoint regarding AJ Hench and Alex Cora. That well, we have to make this move now because one of our teams in the division, the Detroit Tigers, a couple weeks ago, from their local media after Ron Gardenhire decided to step down because of health reasons. Uh, and that's why Gardenhire will not be under consideration for this job. So please stop bringing up Ron Gardenhire as a possibility for the White Sox for the 50th time. Uh, I mean, 90 lost seasons does he have in a row? I, I forgot. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's a big part. Steve Stone even said it yesterday uh, when the, on the day of, on October 12th, on 670 The Score, uh, with Dan Bernstein, that he thinks – Part of the reason why the White Sox made the decision now is because Detroit might scoop up either A.J. Hinch or Alex Cora. The Boston Red Sox have completely wiped out as far as their coaching staff, except for one coach who's besties with Alex Cora. So there's already whispers and rumors that Boston may want Alex Cora back as their manager after serving his suspension. Uh, that if the White Sox don't move away from Renteria, they'll, they'll lose out on this opportunity. However, Jim... There was this same opportunity last year with possibly better managers than Joe Girardi and Joe Madden. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm just confused because if, if now is the time that you're going to do this after a successful season in which you made the postseason and you almost won the division when nobody was really thinking that you could win the division, only being a game out, then why didn't you just make this decision last year when you already had obviously plans to be making some pretty significant investments in the off season and go with a new manager into the competitive window, which started this year. Well, you know, Girardi and, and Madden didn't make the postseason with either of their teams. So I guess you can say that sure. they were uh, vindicated. And that's one, one reason why I'm, uh, I guess, reluctant to make any kind of sweeping declarations on how much better the White Sox will be with the better manager, because oftentimes, you know, it doesn't really materialize the way you think for better or for worse. Sometimes mm -hmm. bad managers win a lot of games or you know, quote bad uh, managers, unquote, because, uh, you know, just sometimes they're better than their reputation says they are. And other times, you know, good managers just don't have the horses or they just have a bad uh, sequence of injuries or, uh, disappointing performances like Joe Girardi in the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. Like nobody, and the funny thing about those hirings is that, you know, Madden and Girardi, they both had disappointing seasons. Neither of them are on the hot seat, but both their general managers were fired. The guys that hired them, mm -hmm. Billy Epler in Anaheim and uh, Matt Klintak in Philadelphia were both fired. Well, Klintak was demoted, but they you know, both were ousted from their positions. So I think uh, when you hire a manager who's, uh, you know, a name brand upgrade, then it's uh, it, it puts the heat on you know, 
the general manager slash front office to the extent that a White Sox front office can feel heat. And I am wondering, you know, with the Bulls, with their with their excitement they generated from, you know, basically cleaning house as much as the Reinsdorf organization can and, you know, bringing in name brand uh, executives and a name brand coach and all the excitement that's uh, generated. I wonder if that's something that comes to mind with how the uh, White Sox business is being conducted. Uh, but I, I guess to the larger point, you know, it, it's maybe just a, a case where Don Cooper was also a part of it, um, just letting him go and deciding like now is the time to uh, basically just cut the line that we've had for decades with this pitching coach and, and be willing to either whether it's a Matt Zaleski Everett Tiefert thing where they go in-house to uh, update their pitching apparatus or whether they let the uh, new manager decide. But that could also be a case where, you know, they weren't willing to just completely uh, uh, run the risk of overhauling everything they do with pitchers, uh, which uh, hiring like Joe Girardi probably would have necessitated. And now, you know, seeing how far away they are, seeing maybe no development from Dylan Cease and, and a step back from, you know, Ronaldo Lopez injuries and COVID and such, you know, contributed to that. But still it's, uh, you know, just the case where maybe they say like, okay, we've, we've stalled out pitching wise. We need to take the next step with guys we have in house. Uh, and, and that's going to take a new, a new set of eyes, a new, a new brain in order to try to get these guys over the hump. Yes. I agree with you on why Don Cooper, was that go? And it was a long time that Cooper has been with the White Sox since 2003, full time as a White Sox pitching coach. You wrote about this on Sox Machine. He somehow survived several managerial changes, uh, except for this one. And I'm with you, Jim. The pitching development has really stalled out. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned, as far as the case that in hindsight, the Joe Madden and Joe Girardi hirings for Anaheim and Philadelphia haven't come to fruition because of pitching issues. And let's face it, the White Sox are pretty close to also having those very similar pitching issues uh, that Anaheim and Philadelphia are having. If it wasn't for the rookies and Cody Hoyer and Matt Foster really stepping up, uh, this bullpen could have been a complete disaster. And that's why, like, if if they're using the last three weeks of the season against Renteria, especially the Cleveland series, we talked about it in great length, Jim about that series, about the situation that Renteria had on his hands with the bullpen. He was shorthanded, and everybody was taxed out of that bullpen because three out of five days, he couldn't get a starting pitcher to go past five innings. And Rick Hahn didn't give him any additional help except for Garrett Crochet, which was a crazy idea uh, to have someone that came straight from college into the major leagues and here you go here's your bullpen help as he didn't acquire anyone at the trade deadline and I just if you're going to use that against Renteria now you better address that situation in the offseason because I'm with you it doesn't matter who Rick Hahn hires as the next manager of the Chicago White Sox if the White Sox do not address their starting pitching staff or if they do not add to the bullpen because they're going to be right back in this same situation in a 100-plus game season in 2021, Jim. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I think the firing Cooper and Renteria at the same time, uh, I think, takes the heat off Renteria. I think that at least indicates that the uh failure of the team or the way the team came up short and the way, you know, Renteria may have contributed to that still shows that they didn't give them the necessary or they didn't have the necessary development to support uh, what Renteria was trying to do or what they wanted to do. And, and so it was bigger than the managerial seat. I think it's unfortunate for Renteria that he didn't get a chance to have a hand in, you know, uh, uh, pitching coach change. Like he wasn't afforded that opportunity to ask what kind of ideas he had for the position. So a new manager will get the luxury that that Renteria didn't get. He was more or less just uh, promoted from the bench coach spot uh, and the White Sox didn't conduct a full and proper search. So that's another way that's kind of unfortunate that he's tied to a guy who he might not have. There there are no reports that Renteria didn't want to work with Cooper. Like there, there seemed to be no friction. But, you know, it's also a case where just like he was never given the opportunity to uh, change or or, you know, provide yeah, provide different ideas for the position and where pitchers are going. He might not have had a good idea, but just it's something that a luxury that wasn't afforded to him. But, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, just where the White Sox go and, and where the front office goes and, and what you know, manager they come up with and 
the pitching change. I, I think just, you know, maybe if you let, keep Renteria, but you know, keep the pitching coach, it doesn't change enough. Yeah, like I wrote about, I think, ultimately, I think the White Sox just, you know, it's a weird spasm of proaction or proactivity that they've never shown before when it comes to coaches and managers that that, that makes me think like well you know it's not necessarily that, that not necessarily that they didn't believe in Renteria ever being able to figure it out they just didn't want to be in the position where they risk Renteria not figuring out or a, a guy who has already solved the issue of October management uh, is available and ready to go and they kick themselves for not pursuing that I understand that, and that's fine, and that's you know probably responsible. Although I guess we'll we'll get to whether or not these guys are ultimately responsible choices to make to entrust leadership with. But it's just so unfamiliar to White Sox fans and the way the White Sox act, and in the way a Jerry Reinsdorf organization acts, that it's it's hard not to feel sorry for Renteria just being the victim of something the White Sox never do, and after a season where. He had more success than any manager in 12 years. If Carlos Rodon doesn't melt down in Cleveland, and if Carlos Rodon gets an out, and the White Sox still have the lead in Game 3, <laughs> does Rick Renteria and Don Cooper still have a job? The, the, the interesting way to phrase that is, is if Carlos Rodon stays injured. No, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's just yeah. never available. Uh, what does it look like? And I don't know. Uh, I think there are enough other indications of Renteria's grip on the team and proceedings wobbling. Like Angel Hernandez's crew still covers those last three or four series. And the White Sox still are stressed out because of that. And the Rodan situations arrive just as things are starting to break down. Uh, and then he ultimately cemented it. So maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But the elements that led the White Sox in those positions where Rodon was needed to get important outs is still there. So I'm inclined to say no. Um, you know, it's possible that that changes and the White Sox win those games and ultimately prevail and uh, win the division and win a series and such. But uh, it seems like it's bigger than this. And <laughs> I would hope so just because. Uh, and, and that's why when I was writing about uh, just how Renteria could arrange pitchers for game three and um, you know, why everybody was confused about Carlos Rodon when he appeared in Cleveland and and ultimately why uh, you know his appearance in game three is so controversial is that do you really want to tie the future of the team and maybe you know now that we learn you know maybe even Renteria's managerial future to a guy who might be non-tendered after the year I would say no like I would put him on the back burner for mop of duty only uh, but it's the way it shook out. Just like there, there is that uh, question to roll around. Yeah, it's just something that came up my came up when I've been thinking about it as far as this morning, the day after. Is man, what if Carlos Rodon does his job? The White Sox win the division. They don't play Oakland. They would probably play Cleveland in that situation. Which, who knows? Maybe they still lose in the first round just because of how they finish this season against Cleveland. And uh, maybe they still get fired. But I got to say this, Jim. If you are firing Rick Renteria and Don Cooper, I have to think there is almost no chance Carlos Rodon is getting tendered a contract in this offseason. If he's tendered a contract, Jim, after what happened at the end of this season, I would be floored. Absolutely floored. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we—I was wrong about Renteria, so I'm, <laughs> me too. This is kind of those cases where, like, I'm—I'm I'm reeling a bit in terms of like, oh, I'm not sure what to expect, but yeah, it would—it would seem to be hand in hand that if the White Sox expected rent better from Renteria, that they would expect better from that roster spot and that use of five million or so yeah, dollars. Absolutely. All right, so let's get to the part of the show that I think a lot of our listeners and fans want us to discuss. And that is the very popular topic, who is replacing Rick Renteria? And if, during Rick Hahn's press conference, I think he made it pretty clear. He is hinting very strong that he would like someone that has October experience, has had success in October, and part of a championship organization. And yeah, the two guys that got suspended most definitely are. Uh, but as Jim already alluded to, 
those championships are tainted. And that is A.J. Hinch, the former manager of the Houston Astros, winning the 2017 World Series. And Alex Cora, the Boston Red Sox manager, who was A.J. Hinch's bench coach in 2017 and won the 2018 World Series with the Boston Red Sox. And that championship is also tainted uh, for Cora's involvement in the cheating scandals. And again, we already discussed as far as that Detroit uh, has not been shy interviewing either to help to at least give Hinch or Cora a second opportunity to manage after this, their suspension and to lead a rebuilding effort. But now that the White Sox have made their job available, uh, obviously every managerial candidate would love to manage the White Sox instead of the Tigers because the White Sox have an opportunity to win where the Tigers job could take several more years before they have a winning product. And, and that really goes against your resume uh, as it happened to Rick Renteria twice, as far as managing rebuilding clubs, you don't get an opportunity to make that transition from rebuilding to contention window. So AJ Hinch and Alex Cora, Jim, what are your initial feelings about either becoming the White Sox manager? My, my initial impression is like, well, with Hinch, you know, he did win a world series. He did get to another one and you know, his record is what his record is, but just the way the fallout of the Astros investigation was so unimpressive. Um, and part of it is that the way the league conducted the investigation, they couldn't really, they, they didn't want to tangle with punishing players too much because they have a union. They can, uh, they can appeal suspensions and, and that can take forever. And that just drags the story out and uh, prevents the league from burying it and, or, or getting past it. And so they didn't want to do that. And they also apparently didn't want to uh, tarnish Jim Crane's reputation at the ownership level and, and hold him responsible for having an organization that just uh, melted down ethically. So in the middle, you know, the only guys they can act or, or Manfred is willing to act on are guys who don't have union representation and are not billionaires. And so Hinch and Cora and Carlos Beltran uh, were the ones who were caught in the middle of it. So I can see that maybe they're a little bit unfairly um, targeted. You know, they, I don't think they're unfairly, you know, the, I don't think the punishment was necessarily unfair and that they were culpable and they should have been leaders about it. But, you know, the, it was more than them above and below. And so, um, you know, that's, that's a problem. But also, you know, it's a case where, you know, uh, Hinch is, is a manager. That was a case of managing a situation he did not manage. Uh, he said he objected to it and they kept doing it. And so that either means that he didn't have the power or authority to do it, or he didn't have the guts or, you know, the fortitude to stand up to his bench coach. And, and who knows whether the bench coach and player had the backing of the organization to do it. And so he just realized, you know, maybe he thought that his objection was powerless. It's just, you know, it was a test and he failed that test and it's not impressive. Um, you know, it could be the case where he's maybe a moral neutral. And if he's in an organization that has more, uh, yeah, a higher standard of ethics and will not pursue those routes that he, he'll be fine. Uh, and, and, you know, perhaps he'll, you know, be able to repair his reputation or prove that, you know, between the apology suspension serving his time and not doing wrong again, perhaps, you know, uh, he'll be able to get past and the team will be better for doing so. But when he comes into the organization and, and the case like with Grandal, whose team was beaten by a, a team that, uh, you know, Hinch led and that was cheating. Uh, I, I wonder how that's going to be taken. You know, that's, that's one of the things that I think maybe makes Hinch easier to hire mentally right now is that you didn't have an entire season where teams got to air their grievances against the Astros. Fan bases got to air it out. They were basically, you know, in a bubble. You know, maybe the A's and uh, direct, uh, you know, the Dodgers got to uh, mix it up a little bit with the Astros, but nobody else did. The Yankees didn't. Um, and and uh, other teams did not and fan bases didn't get to air it out. So it, basically the league got to move past the Astros stink. The, and, and we'll see if the Astros went all the way, then maybe it'll flare up again. But uh, just, you know, it's, it's easier to mentally hire Hinch and Cora as a fan, but we don't know how, whether those uh, 
grudges or that that anger and resentment is still festering at the player level. So that's something I think that needs to be addressed and figured out. And also, you know, given that Hinch was kind of a a meek figure in the Arizona clubhouse where he got, you know, he basically came to the Arizona clubhouse with no experience, got hired as a front office person, then immediately transplanted down to the dugout, uh, didn't take uh, players uh, didn't necessarily you know warm up to him or respect him. He was let go pretty quickly uh, as part of a front office purge as well. And so he goes to the Astros and has this you know same thing happen where he's you know the players take to him better, but he's also this meek figure that doesn't have the authority to stand up to a one of baseball's biggest scandals. So I don't know what you do with that. I, I don't know uh, you know if he goes to a, a an organization that isn't as powerful from the top down and isn't a well oiled a moral winning machine. What does he look like? What are his skills? What are his, uh, his deficits? I don't think that's known. So in order, you know, like a case like Joe Girardi, who won without those issues and, and overcame a bunch of uh, injuries and, and egos and, and all sorts of payroll deficits and discrepancies when it comes to having to play younger players over expensive players. That's a case where I have a much better feel for what that manager is. With A.J. Hinch, I don't really know. And same thing with Alex Cora. I think Cora has a stronger personality in terms of strategy and connecting to players and managing injuries and, and you know, the, the, the payroll issues that the Red Sox had with injured players and, and expensive players and young players replacing those guys. I think he has a stronger handle and personality and, uh, you know, more of a defined personality, but if you believe the way the investigation goes, he had a much stronger role in the cheating scandal. So I, I don't know, you know, how you apply that either. So that's why I'm not inclined to think like this is going to be easy or an easy upgrade over Renteria who did everything right. And, uh, you know, had some weaknesses, had some strengths, uh, but you can't, uh, disparage his, his code or, or his, his, you know, the culture he implemented or, you know, his personality and running things. So it's, it's not going to be as easy a switch as I, I think a lot of fans are making it out to be. I have a feeling that AJ Hinch has to be the favorite based on what Steve Stone is tweeting and what Dallas Keuchel tweeted after the news that Rick Retoria and Don Cooper were let go, that big things are coming for the White Sox. Like, why would you tweet that? After your manager got fired, like, did you think that lowly of Renteria for Dallas Keuchel or are you, do you already know on what's coming after the world series when Hinch and Cora are officially uh, reinstated and they have served their suspension and they are now allowed to be hired by another team. I I wonder Jim, (laughs) if there's already a done deal between the White Sox and AJ Hinch. It's possible. Um, yeah, I was, I was looking at Keuchel's Twitter feed. He did uh, thank uh, Renteria and Cooper before that tweet about big things ahead for the White Sox. Okay, that's you know, my bad. Said, I only saw I saw that tweet and then I saw yeah. his second tweet later. Yeah, the first tweet was, thank you to Ricky and Coop for everything they have done for a White Sox organization. I will continue their passion for winning and wish them all the best in their new beginnings. But you're right that it is his first tweet since April 16th. He had a couple of retweets of Max Scherzer during the whole union negotiation with the league restarting the season. But yeah, his first fresh tweet since um, uh, April, and one of them is can be interpreted as um, perhaps indicating of where the White Sox are leaning. So yeah, I, I I share your suspicion, and I think I think it's funny that you know if Keuchel were celebrating Renteria's departure. I'm not sure if he is or if he's just more excited about Hinch, but he was the guy, he was in that clubhouse meeting, that leadership meeting where he said the White Sox had enough to win with. So mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily like, uh, uh, you know, he can think what he thinks. I'm not going to hold that against him, but I also just necess- don't necessarily trust Keuchel's instincts when it comes to how much a team needs. I guess he was right in that the uh, Astros benefited from Justin Verlander. He was kind of the ringleader in spurring the Astros to take action and adding to their world series winning team. And Verlander certainly helped make the difference, but I would say he's one for two in deciding and playing front office with uh, what a team needs to win. So I think if I were the odds maker, I would say that Hinch has got to have like, I'm 60% sure that it's Hinch. Like if you did a 100% 
like pie graph. 60% Hench. Let's say 35% Cora. I have a feeling Cora is going back to Boston. And then there's this 5% for this third candidate that we're not talking about at the moment, but let's go ahead and start that conversation. Outside of Hench and Cora, there's been a lot of discussion as far as Sandy Alomar Jr., especially the job that Alomar Jr. did uh, taking over for Terry Francona when Francona was dealing with health issues. Uh, Alomar Jr. was the manager for Cleveland uh, when the Indians swept the White Sox and into the postseason. And the White Sox have interviewed Alomar Jr. in the past. If you remember, they interviewed Alomar Jr. first for the bench coach for Robin Ventura uh, instead of Rick Retoria, obviously Retoria got that job. And the reason Alomar Jr. didn't take that job is because he thought that the interview was more tailored to replacing Robin Ventura than being the bench coach. He was right. Uh, and instead, the White Sox gave that job to, to Rick Retoria because Alomar Jr. didn't want to do that to Robin Ventura. And Alomar Jr. stayed in Cleveland. I'm not so sure about Alomar Jr., Jim, in, in the sense that if Francona's health issues continues to persist, I, I I have a sense that for both parties, Alomar Jr. and Cleveland, that he would be the natural transition to take over the managerial role for the Cleveland Indians. So I don't know how feasible it would be to land Sandy Alomar Jr. if that is the guy that the White Sox did want uh, to take him away from Cleveland. But how do you feel about Sandy Alomar Jr. as being a possibility? Well, I, I don't think he fits the circumstances here. And it's not nothing against Alomar. Like, I, it seems like he should have gotten a job a while ago. And, you know, he's one of those cases where, like, when, you know, Ozzie Guillen wants back in and Ozzie Guillen, you know, basically he had a chance to be managing the White Sox still right now. And he bypassed that to, uh, you know, arrange his exit and work for Jeffrey Luria, who fires every manager and now he can't get back in. But, you know, he took, he took a, a job for granted. And when you watch a guy like Alomar be on the... Another team's list for like a decade. <laughs> and same thing with like Dave Martinez. Like he was uh, a next manager for a decade before he actually got his first chance. It's uh, it's a case where that's why I just don't feel sorry for what's happened to Ozzy because he, you know, like, it, with Renteria too, you don't, you just don't take one of these 30 jobs for granted because you never know if you get another one or if you never know if you get your first one in the case of Alomar. And it seems like, you know, he's credible. It just doesn't seem like you fire a guy like Renteria to hire somebody who is unproven like Alomar is. Um, and I, I think if they liked Alomar that much to begin with, they would have hired him to replace Robin Ventura. Like just, you know, whether it was, you know, the season before Ven, uh, Ren, uh, Ventura was let go or the season after, uh, you know, they didn't, you know, they just basically promoted uh, Renteria to that spot without interviewing anybody. But I think if they felt strongly enough about him, they would have said like, okay, we can need to, you know, we, we know Renteria. Uh, we'll see if he still wants to maintain his bench coach, but Alomar is our guy. So I don't think anything's changed to where Alomar would suddenly be better than the guy who has led them in the postseason once already. So, yeah, and I think the same thing applies too to like Joe Espada in Houston and Matt Quitaro for, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, in the bench coach jobs, guys who aren't experienced. Like it doesn't seem like you make those decisions to hire somebody who hasn't done the job before. So that, that, that's, you know, nothing against any of those play, uh, coaches. And they certainly seem like better candidates than uh, front office, uh, you know, ex-players who are hired to front offices and never coach any step in the minor leagues or off season or anything like that. I, I, they deserve a shot somewhere. It just didn't seem like they fire Renteria after a season like this to hire one of those guys. I'm with you. That's why I would give it a 5% chance for a third party candidate. Cause I, I looked up Joe Espada. That was somebody that James Fegan of The Athletic wrote as far as in his column, as far as uh, candidates for the White Sox managerial. And I, I think Espada would be a very intriguing hire. He worked as a special assistant uh, to Brian Cashman uh, of the New York Yankees before becoming their third base coach and then obviously moving to Houston uh, to replace Alex Cora as the bench coach with the, the Houston Astros. Uh, and Espada is 45 years old and looks like that he is primed to be the next manager, kind of following the footsteps of uh, Dave Martinez. Um in the sense that, you know, Martinez had a lot of success under Joe Manor with the Chicago Cubs as his bench coach and, of course, went to the Washington Nationals and, and won a World Series. The other 
third candidate that I was thinking of. And this is coming from the preview of the National League Championship Series and what all the Atlanta Braves players have raved about, working with Ron Washington. Now, Ron Washington led the Texas Rangers to -to back-to-back American League pennants. Obviously, they couldn't get the job done, losing both of those World Series. But I wonder if he would even get an interview with the White Sox, Jim. I think he's deserving of getting an interview, especially the work that he's done both with the Oakland Athletics, helping Marcus Simeon get a lot better defensively. And then, of course, his time right now with the Atlanta Braves. He's been part of winning organizations. I think he knows what it takes to get over that hump and be successful in October. I I just wonder if you're to give a second or third chance uh, to A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora, then I wonder if you should also be talking to Ron Washington, too. It's not a bad idea. Um, you know, Washington, he left the Texas Rangers partially because, uh, you know, partially because, uh, you know, he wasn't necessarily the most forward-thinking manager, didn't have a reputation for, you know, tactics. Lineups were a big problem uh, with him. Uh, and, 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 you know, and the, the frustration of losing two World Series, I think. And then he had the uh, addiction issue on the way out that basically uh, was the reason why he needed to take a year off. That's a, that's a case where I maybe believe was a mutual parting away as the White Sox used that language for Cooper and Renteria, and that's a lie. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> But in this case, with you know Washington having some off-field issues, that that's one case where I could see, like, this is probably the best for both if we take a break right now. Um, yeah, he had success. He was, he was incredibly popular with players, but... Again, that strikes me as a little bit too close to Renteria, where if it's just like if they wanted somebody who was connected with players and was a uh, a defender of players, never really doghoused anybody, never uh, aired anything out to the press in terms of you know singling out players, um, and was not the greatest tactician, uh, more of a motivator and a a personality manager than a. Uh, sabermetric darling or analytic, whatever you want to call it. Like, it seems like that's just too close to what they already had. Like I wouldn't necessarily mind it. Um, just because as you mentioned, like he's, uh, he took the setback or step back or whatever personal issues he had, like he's turned himself into a valuable bench coach. Like he was great in Oakland you know, with, with documented successes. Uh, he's helping Atlanta, as you mentioned. So it seems like, you know, if somebody were to rehab his, uh, reputation or at least you know show that he's back to being able to handle responsibilities professionally then it makes some sense it just like you know if you hire a manager in part to address previous issues uh in maybe not hiring the polar opposite but at least to address a deficiency with the previous administration it seems like you know washington strengths are renteria strengths maybe uh more proven and <laughs> he's shown that he's able to at least win american league pennants uh, but it, it strikes me as a little bit too close to what the White Sox already had to be a feasible replacement. I think it would be nice for him to get a, a chance and certainly want to hear what he has to say. And uh, if he if he surfaced somewhere else, it wouldn't surprise me. But just based on what the White Sox say they want and October experience for a championship team, uh, does that do two AL pennants in 2010 and 2011 count as recent October experience? I, I'm don't think so. So why is Bob Nightingale writing about Tony La Russa? Uh, because Jerry Reinsdorf likes to flatten, flatter, flatten friends, flatter friends through uh, is the only reporter he talks to. So can we not seriously consider this? Because I think I may have an aneurysm if he was hired I'm, as the next White Sox manager. <laughs> yeah, like you can't completely count it out because the White Sox are profoundly strange and you know, you know, Rick Hans, you know, he likes to go through a litany of things that a team uh, or a fans or a writers would say he would never do. And like, that's great and all, but it's also like, there's a reason why fans complain he would never do it because he uh, dragged his feet forever in doing things. So it's like, it's, it's, it's partially an effective tactic in terms of generating some benefit of the doubt, but the White Sox are still at their heart, a really weird organization. Uh, but, you know, it took me back to 2016 when Bob Nightingale was uh, defending Robin Ventura and the idea of the White Sox retaining Ventura with the same story. Like he wrote a story saying like the White Sox are thinking about uh, maintaining uh, Robin Ventura as their manager and they're going to discuss it. And then fans reacted uh, with strong 
negativity towards it. He overwrote the story, didn't write a new story, overwrote the story, not acknowledging that the first version had been written that was drastically different, saying like uh, that White Sox fans are reacting as though Tim Tebow, you know, they were signing Tim Tebow, uh, a topical reference at the time. And uh, it was very strange and, and kind of doubled down and made fans think like, is this serious? Are they really thinking about retaining Ventura? And then it turns out after the season that they said that they knew Ventura was gone at the start of the month. So that's why when it comes to uh, Bob Nightingale stories through Jerry Reinsdorf, I'm thinking that a big part of it is like, oh, he likes to just make friends feel good or try to repair the reputations through the media or uh, not say, you know, like just whether he wants Larusa to get opportunities elsewhere, whether he just wants to say like, hey, the old guy still got it, uh, pat on the back and move on. Like that's, that's what it more strikes me as just Reinsdorf being kind of a profoundly weird guy in this one respect. And then finally... As on the morning of October 13th on ESPN 1000 in Chicago, joining David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood. Uh, Jay Hood is a friend of the show. Uh, he's had Jim and I often on ESPN 1000 to talk about the White Sox. AJ Brzezinski was on their show. And AJ Brzezinski said, I would absolutely be interested in managing the Chicago White Sox. I love baseball and I would be interested in becoming a major league manager. Jim, A.J. Brzezinski, what are the chances? Yeah, well, I guess with Han eliminating Ozzy from the discussion by saying he will not be a part, I guess there needs to be some fan favorite that emerges as unlikely or impossible. But yeah, it's, there's like, you know, unlike Carlos Beltran, who was hired basically, you know, shortly after his ex-playing days, he had the reputation of being like a, a dugout sage that would help people. Uh, and, and, you know, whether it was, you know, legally helping decide pitcher patterns, uh, determine pitcher patterns, or, you know, watching the way just pitchers tipped pitches, like even before the Astro scandal, he had the reputation of being somebody who was just great at imparting wisdom. AJ is known as a wise player or a smart player, but he tended to keep that wisdom to himself, especially like young players, not a really a reputation for helping along young players. In fact, like, I think, Two or three White Sox players. I remember Brandon McCarthy and Addison Reed plunking Pierzynski the first chance they get pitching for other teams. So with that in mind, I'm going to say that uh, Pierzynski probably has to prove at a lower level or a coaching staff job that he can relate to players who are not himself or not like veterans who have uh, yeah. uh, 10 and 5 rights. Yeah, let's not consider A.J. Pierzynski either for this job. Uh, but I, I do have to give Rick Hahn credit, though, and, and I like to end on this point as far as this episode with him being direct about Ozzie Guillen, because Ozzie has spent a lot of time in these last couple of months talking to everyone, pretty much campaigning for another opportunity to manage. And if Rick Hahn doesn't come out directly and say that Ozzie Guillen is not under consideration for this job, and if Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't pick up the phone and call Ozzy and tell Ozzy you're not going to be under consideration for this job, then if they don't do that publicly, Jim, it'd just be a media storm. It'd be the media campaigns for Ozzy Guillen to come back to the White Sox would be just as annoying as watching political ads every commercial break during your television shows or football games or whatever sporting events that you're watching on TV. It would be very annoying to be able to watch that, especially with his commentary during the regular season and into the postseason. Like he was using his position with NBC Sports Chicago, being on the pre and post game show as an opportunity to campaign for himself to be the next White Sox manager uh, on how he would do things differently and why his way would have been better uh, instead of what Renteria has done. So I, I do give credit to Rick Hahn for being very direct and being open and saying that Azikian is not going to be under consideration for this job because I really did think it needed to be because if it wasn't said, Jim, we would hear it for the nonstop for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, he made uh, he made his job easier. He made 
our jobs easier. Uh, just yeah, <laughs> if they're if they're running ads like I would have been. Like I think Ozzy was relatively restrained. I think like towards the postseason, Frank Thomas was the one that was delivering like the harder. Well, that's what Whatever. he does the, on Fox too. The bigger hurts, I guess you could say. Uh, it, but it was a very strange dynamic, like just watching the post, you know, you know, as, like the last week or two of the regular season and then the postseason, like hearing Chuck Carfine say like, uh, listen, like you're going to want to hear why our incredibly popular ex-players uh, talk about everything your manager is doing wrong. Like, you know, it's not necessarily like, you know, I guess it's good that they're being honest and such, but it's all, it was just a strange, like I felt bad for Renteria being like, look what you're up against. You have, you know, the, the guy, a lot of fans want to be managing, slagging you. You have the best player in White Sox history, second guessing everything you're doing, but not necessarily providing better ideas. Like when, when Luis Robert was dropped at the seventh spot, like Thomas was angry about that. And I didn't understand why, like, the, you know, it was just, it was bizarre. And, and but he's, you know, Thomas delivers everything he says with conviction because he's a Hall of Fame player. So why wouldn't you have confidence in what you're saying? Like, you know, Steve Stone was doing the same thing. Like, Stone was doing the thing where he never uh, criticized Rentry on the air, but he'd do it through tweets or radio appearances, like kind of a, a, a push and pull thing. Um, yeah, I, I think it shows. It reminded me of back when he was, uh, you know analyzing uh, the game alongside Hawk Harrelson and Jason Benetti, where he'd be saber friendly with Benetti and uh, be anti-analytics to uh, with, with, with Hawk in the booth. Like he can, yeah, I think he just uh, has a sense of reading the room and, and delivers what that room wants or <laughs> has a sense of what message will be, will go where. Um, but yeah, you had Stone criticizing Renteria for not, uh, you know, having a team that could win without the Homer in a postseason where the team that homers more is 23 and one. Like, <laughs> Uh, there are just, I think, a lot of criticisms that were, or the level of criticisms or the prestige of the people delivering criticisms were basically disproportional to everything I've seen with other markets and other teams. And I think that's just a case where the White Sox being very uh, insular, as as uh, Han put it, and maybe incestuous is maybe a stronger, more accurate word for some of the dead ends that's led them to. It's a case where just that, the weight of that, I think, was uh, maybe something where Renteria is just maybe... I wouldn't say he's better off because of losing a job. You're not better off losing a managerial job, but a case where he was not going to be able to run outrun that at some point. So after the World Series, are you ready for A.J. Hinch to become the next Chicago White Sox manager? Yeah, I think that's the logical thing. I I see enough reasons against it to where I wouldn't guarantee it, um, especially like, say, if I talk to you guys, Monty Grandal, and be like, no, this guy's a, a rat. But, uh, yeah, just that's a case where, you know, there are reasons if they go another direction, I understand why it'll just make it harder to justify firing Renteria to hire somebody less proven. Yeah, I agree. I, the, you don't do this. I don't think you make this move unless you are very sure you're getting either AJ Hench or Alex Cora. And again, my suspicion is that there's already a deal in place between the White Sox and A.J. Hinch. And it cannot be announced until after the World Series. That's my that's my feeling right now, Jim. I, my feeling, even though I said in the pie chart, 60% Hinch, 35% Cora, 5% third-party candidate. I am hedging there because I thought this press conference was going to be a bore and just a bunch of Han speak about not really knowing what's going to happen this offseason. And I was completely wrong about that because they fired Rick Renteria. But I'm 100% with you, Jim. You don't make this move unless you are very sure you're either getting Hinch or Cora. And my suspicion is they already have a deal with Hinch. Yeah, and I'm wondering, you know, with the uniqueness of this uh, circumstances of these managers, whether it's tampering to negotiate before their suspended uh, suspension ends or not. Like, it might be a case where... They're free to talk, but not just free to sign or not free to be put in an official position. Like, right. that's just what I'm wondering if they're if they're being coy for just because that's the terms of the suspension or because they're theoretically could be punished. I'm guessing that's not the case because they're not employed by another team. Maybe if Cora was retained by the Red Sox, but suspended, that would be a case where they definitely couldn't say anything. But here, yeah, it strikes me as just like... Uh, it's impossible to hire him now, so they can't say anything about it. Exactly. Right. They can't. He can't sign the dotted line because he's suspended. Yes. I'm with you on that. So, we'll see what happens. 
But our next podcast, again, is going to be on October 19th, where we launch the Sox Machine Offseason Plan Project. Also preview the World Series. Who knows? Maybe Jim's 2020 World Series pick, the Houston Astros, will come from behind in the American League Championship Series uh, to beat the Tampa Bay Rays and create more chaos in 2020. Uh, we'll see who will be in that World Series as currently uh, this podcast recording the Rays are up two games to nothing and the Atlanta Braves won game one over the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I have a feeling that the White Sox will have a new manager shortly after the World Series. And as the offseason plan project uh, will launch uh, prior to the World Series beginning, it'd be great to hear who you guys think will be the next White Sox manager. As far as in your offseason plans, uh, next week on SoxMachine.com. And uh, our next podcast, we'll talk about the details as far as that plan project and some thoughts that we have on what the White Sox will need to do this upcoming offseason. So again, that next podcast episode will be released on October. October 19th. But that will do it for this special edition of the Sox Machine podcast as the Chicago White Sox move on from Rick Renteria and Don Cooper. So it'll be a new manager and pitching coach at the very least heading into 2021 and beyond. And we'll see on who that be, who that will be for the White Sox in a couple of weeks. But thank you to listening to this special edition of the podcast. If you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can listen to the show wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And you can also help support Sox Machine by becoming a friend at patreon.com slash Sox Machine, where we have several tiers that you can sign up for. Uh, you get additional content. Jim's been doing PO Socks as far as continuing to answer questions in the mailbag uh, for our Patreon supporters. Uh, the P- Patreon supporters get an ad-free version of the podcast, and they get extra content through that as well. And uh, also Sox Machine swag, which Jim tweeted out. We have very few coffee mugs available. Uh, to purchase on the website. However, you can get those coffee mugs by becoming a Patreon supporter. And it's at the $10 level. Uh, so again, go to patreon.com slash machine to sign up there. Uh, we still have Socks Machine t-shirts as well. So if you want some, uh, if you want a Socks Machine t-shirt and some additional Socks Machine swag like coasters, buttons, stickers, magnets, uh, you can purchase that as well on SocksMachine.com. But again, that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast, which is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Listen, you hear that? That's the sound of nothing. And nothing is what you'll pay for medium fries when you buy any Mickey D's new crispy chicken sandwich. It's crispy, juicy, tender, all-white meat chicken with crinkle-cut pickles on a buttery potato bun. Mmm. Buy one, and we'll hook you up with a free medium fries. That's like zero zilch zip. So try any Mickey D's new crispy chicken sandwich and get a medium fries. For nothing. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.